Welcome to the Church of Sport Rugby World Cup Edition, where you get honest sports sermons on World Rugby's showcase event. I'm Pastor Stu, and it's a hearty yokoso to the very, very Reverend Mike. Oh, konnichiwa, Pastor Stu. <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs> do, you to, do you have to do that? <laughs> I know, we've only, we've only been in Japan for, uh, for a matter of days, I know that's wearing a bit thin, so um, yeah. I'll, I'll try and then, I'll try and then something else before we uh, before the next game, okay? All right, and I've returned to Tokyo, uh, but the very very Reverend Mike is still in Yokohama, soaking up the atmosphere there after uh, last evening's game between the All Blacks and South Africa, kicking off the campaign for both. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about the game on this episode. We're gonna talk about the general atmosphere here in Japan, and we've managed to hook into some Spark Sport coverage as well. And looking at some of the media today, uh, they've had a little bit of a mere and uh, we'll see what else crops up. So we'll start with uh, the game, because that's why we're here, right? So the All Blacks playing South Africa. Uh, general thoughts, very, very Reverend Mike? Well, yeah, let's, um, <clears throat> let's start before that. I mean, it was uh, arriving at Yokohama Stadium and um, being involved in that atmosphere was certainly worth the 40-minute train ride. Um, it was uh, something special. And, you know, it was hard to uh, hard to gather whether there was more support for the All Blacks or for the South Africans, certainly during the Haka Um a good portion of the uh, crowd were trying to drown that out. So that was interesting. Um, with, our, with our media passes, it's unfortunate that um, we seem to be uh, linked with some of the other New Zealand media. So we were uh, in close proximity to Scott Stevenson uh, and his crew, and we had to endure listening to his nauseousness for uh, 80 <laughs> minutes uh, while while being distracted as he uh, bounced a young Japanese man up and down on his knee for the entire game. And I just wonder what... I just wonder if Scott Stevenson, whether um, when he went to uh, university and was doing his journalism course, if he only ever went to electron similes and then left, um, because that's uh, that's certainly what it sounds like. So, um, so yeah. So apart from um, that distraction, uh, and I have a feeling that um, we're probably going to be situated uh, pretty close to uh, the Spark commentary team uh, at every game we go to. But apart from that, um, the stadium was amazing and the atmosphere was awesome. Yeah, you spoke about the haka there. Uh, a little bit of fallout today, uh, once again, about people or the claims that uh, the crowd weren't respecting the haka with a whole lot of ole, 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 ole. And that certainly did happen uh, while the haka was going on. And we've talked about this before on the Church of Sport, whether other teams need to actually respect the haka and what it, that actually means. Uh, so so yeah, that's cropped up again. Um, I don't think it's an issue at all. I, I, as we've discussed, I don't think other teams need to. They can do what they like when the hark is happening. Look, at, um, it continues to amaze me that um, teams go through this uh, process of um, preparing for a game, and you know, by the time they get to the stadium, um, physical preparation and uh, preparing for the game in terms of tactics, it's all it's all but over. There's, uh, there's no point in, in starting that. It's really a mental preparation that needs to kick in. Um, it does my head in that they spend all that time uh, preparing mentally for a game and then they allow themselves to uh, stand in front of an opposition that's trying to intimidate them for um, a minute and a half. Um, if, I was the, if I was the opposition, 
I'd be uh, doing my own thing or coming up with my own plan um, or getting up on their faces or doing something um, to um, combat that mentally. So the fact that the crowd um, are doing probably what the opposition should be doing, um, I've got no problem with it. All right, so the the game itself, um, I thought that it was a very nervy, scrappy start from both teams, but in particular the All Blacks, uh, they seem to be, it was a bit helter-skelter, uh, and a bit of hot potatoes from the ABs. And sure, that was the Springboks putting them under pressure. And in the first 20 minutes, the Springboks were looking to really smash the All Blacks. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty scrappy overall. I, in general, the whole game, I thought, even though the All Blacks played quite smart um, at certain periods of time, and certainly in the last 10 minutes, I, I didn't get the feeling of control that I've actually read in the media a little bit today, in terms of that performance. Yeah, look, let's be um, let's be absolutely clear for um, for our listeners back in New Zealand, and um, they're not they're not stupid, so they will know this that uh, the people that are calling the games, the people that are reporting on it uh, in mainstream media, um, are all having their pockets lined somewhere along the way, and so it's in their interest uh, to be telling people that they're watching this amazing game of rugby. Um, and this fantastic game of rugby and this uh, outstanding showpiece for the game of rugby. Um, it was none of those things. Um, I think what we saw last night was uh, some trouble for the All Blacks. Um, and I've got some real concerns about it. Uh, the South Africans uh, came out and played the way they needed to play, but quite simply weren't disciplined to play it for 80 minutes. And as soon as uh, the plan fell apart uh, briefly, you know, there was that error um, and runaway try from the All Blacks. And then a, a really superb Bowdoin Barrett try um, where the South Africans just made a mistake in defence. But apart from that, they weren't reasons for the South Africans to throw away their plan, but that's exactly what they did, uh, and they got worried. And for me, that's a sign that the South Africans aren't up to uh, winning this tournament. It's also a sign... It's also a sign for me that the fact that the All Blacks couldn't put more than 23 points on a side uh, that isn't playing great rugby um, is a huge concern. And I've got a worry uh, that we're heading towards some sort of scenario where we're going to see one of the European countries, France and Ireland, Scotland, England and Wales, um, do to us what France did to us in the quarterfinals um, a few World Cups ago. Right, yeah, I don't think it'll be France. They were They were pretty average. <laughs> against uh, Argentina, I thought. And you got a little Japanese dog barking in the background there. Well, you know, they, um, they have little dogs running around uh, outside the hotel and nobody seems to be the owner. Um, you know, the <laughs> Japanese, are, Japanese are a bit funny about their pets. You know, they um, they dress them up and do all sorts of things. And that little dog that you're referring to, I think, uh, just ran past the hotel in a dress. So um, <laughs> they're probably, probably attempting to get away from his Japanese owner and um, find a... Um, uh, find find another owner, I guess, who will probably put him, put him into a pair of pants. Don't know. What I do think that the All Blacks did well, and obviously they've been working on this uh, to combat the uh, rushing defence from the Springboks, and lots of teams try that. The, the defence I'd also call the offside defence uh, because it seems like the um, opposition back line, the defensive line, <clears throat> is pretty much offside all day um, with, with this kind of rush defence tactic, but it did work that uh, kicking to the wing and um, Severis looked looked pretty useful when, when he caught the ball. 
um, and he's certainly got electric pace. So it was. I was pleased to see that. I thought some of the kicking was good. Some of the South African kicking was horrible. I thought they, as you said before, they just they kind of reverted back to oh we'll just kick it back to the All Blacks. And and once again, I don't know why you do that when you've got a forward pack as big as they've got. Yeah, you know there was that one kick that went out to um, Seba Reese and the South African winger uh, just seemed to stand there. Uh, and wait to see what would happen next. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the sort of stuff you see in uh, junior rugby. Uh, players standing back, waiting to see what will happen next rather than taking control of their yeah. own game and uh, playing to their own plan and doing what they need to do. So again, for me, uh, it was another sign that, um, yeah, the South African team, uh, although billed as something special, uh I don't think we're going to have it this tournament. A couple of things stood out for me in the second half. Obviously, the great covering tackle that uh, Richie Mawanga did, which saved a try. I've never really rated him with his tackling, but one thing with that is that South African winger, he's a similar size to Richie, so it was probably a good matchup. If it had been anyone bigger, then that would have been a try, right? Because they would have... They would have just bounced him off, but it was a good covering tackle, and Richie's certainly fast enough. Um, And the box try that they scored, where were the All Black forwards? um, I think that was a feature throughout the game. You know, not just uh, that try really highlighted it, but that uh, problem had been brewing uh, for the entire game where the South Africans were hitting it up, um, and the All Blacks were committing maybe one uh, or two forwards, if that often it was a back, um, or often it was left to Aaron Smith. And you know, I have an inherent issue with um, halfbacks having to tackle um, because then they get caught and can't perform the job that they're there to do. So oh, I can see that problem brewing, um, and it was only a matter of time before it came a massive problem. That's that's how they scored that try. Um, forwards weren't in positions. Forwards weren't doing their jobs. Playing to this modern format of uh, having pods and defence and attack and forwards out on the wings. All total nonsense, and uh, they paid the price for it. Yeah, well, I thought that was really embarrassing, <laughs> actually, that try, because there was just no defence there at all. And Cody Taylor, I think it was, was who'd come on as a sub, was just kind of jogging back uh, to get off to get onside and wasn't really part of it at all. Um, yeah, very, very strange, that one. I hope they sort that out, because that, there's no way that a try should have been scored from that at all. Um, so that was pretty disappointing for me. Um, the, I, the All Blacks, though, they scrapped this out. It was always going to be a, t- a tough, scrappy game, I think, as the first game of the tournament for both teams. Um, and we are with a slightly overconfident Springbok team, I think, as well. So I, from a positive, I was pleased that the All Blacks scrapped it out and, and didn't I didn't really feel like they looked like losing. Um, and that either comes down to how well they did play or how poorly the actual Springboks played in terms of executing a game plan to beat the ABs. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a catch-22 past the stew because, um, you know, we've won um, and we will um, go through the pool unbeaten now. Um, I think you might – I think we might see some sort of scenario where we say, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a spirited Italian um, team – Oh, yeah, yeah, you're always going to say that. That's right. Um, I, you know, I think we might see something like that, but apart from that, um, the All Blacks will go through unbeaten. Um, and there won't be too many um, alarm bells ringing, and I think that's a problem. I think it would have been better for the All Blacks to have lost last night um, because I think it would have been, hang on, um, this is not going to go well for us unless we start changing some stuff. And I think we're going to hit the quarterfinals, and again, we're going to come across um, – one of the European teams potentially um, who it's got to be Scotland, you know. 
it could well be who will um, who will um, tip us over um, as unexpectedly as as France did um, all those World Cups ago. So, yeah, I'm pleased the All Blacks won, um, but uh, I'm nervous for what's ahead. Well, I, I actually have faith because the last couple of World Cups they've been able to to flick a switch in an important game, and in many ways. Uh, play quite reserved through the pool play. So um, I think they were still holding some stuff back last night. Brady Retallick has still got to come back as well, and even though Scott Barrett played pretty well, um, it's a massive difference having uh, Brady Retallick in the squad and then bringing someone like Scott Barrett on either into the locking positions or into the loose forwards. Um, and so I think that the All Blacks are actually going to follow this a similar sort of for, uh, game plan where they won't overexert themselves through the pool group and then they'll flick that switch. Um, but I, I think if they do play Scotland, that's quite unfortunate because um, I don't th- I don't rate Scotland at all. I'd rather be playing someone like France or even, in fact, Ireland in that quarterfinal. So I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. I just want to make mention of the referee. So um, I thought the uh, the referee last night was outstanding and um, really relaxed. So um, I've, I've been uh, keeping an eye on the, uh, the NRL while we're over here. And actually right, right through the NRL, um, the referees and the officials always seem really tense and stressed. And I think that's coming through in the game and there's massive issues and bad calls and things like that. The referee last night was a brief pressure. Um, you know, he, um, he got two players that were uh, Aaron Smith and... And uh, I can't remember the South African player, but he got them to shake hands um, after they had a bit of a brawl, and there was no penalties, no, um, you know, no big long delays. He just got them to shake hands. Uh, there was a, a moment where he he grabbed the ball off one of the teams and wouldn't give it back to them um, while he got things sorted out. Um, so. Yeah, I thought it was an outstanding performance by um, by the match for the show last night. Yeah, apart from the fact that I think he should have uh, yellow carded uh, one of the Springboks players in the first half for a professional foul. Yeah, and you know that that incident. Um, I guess uh, you can debate whether it should have been a yellow card or not. I guess for me, uh, what followed that. Uh, raises even more concerns about the uh, about what's happening on the All Blacks. So Kieran Reid came up and had a chat with uh, the referee, uh, and we could clearly hear in um, in, uh, in our speakers um, that Kieran Reid uh, passed comment on that, saying uh, it was gutless. Now, whether he was talking about what the South African player did, or whether he was talking about the referee um, and his decision not to yellow card. I don't recall where we've seen uh, the All Blacks. Um, filled with so much uh, self-importance that they feel like they should start um, passing judgment on field about what the referee is doing or concerning themselves so much about what the opposition is doing. So for me, it was um, actually another red flag from the evening that I don't think things are right um, in the team. Oh, that's interesting. I, I thought he was just talking about the South African play it wasn't not that it was a gutless decision, and the other thing you've got to remember we we haven't heard these things because we haven't heard these things. You know they often don't get they don't get broadcast because of whatever feed we're hearing, and it just so happened that um, we were getting I guess the referees feed, and therefore we heard it. We heard that particular comment. It's a it's a fair call, quite possibly, but uh, but again, uh, if that is the case, um, I'd be disappointed if. Um, if we've got All Blacks talking back to uh, match officials uh, in that way in games, whether we can hear it or not. Um, yeah, so the All Blacks now, they don't play again for another 10 days. So we're, we're going we're to have to do some talking around the locals, find out where the good food spots are and, um, and other points of interest, I think. 
Yeah, you know, I've, um, I've, uh, you know, in preparation for our trip, I've only watched um, Tokyo Drift and Lost in Translation about a thousand times. So I have some pretty high expectations of uh, what you and I are going to be uh, doing and experiencing when I, um, when I get back to Tokyo. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. So, uh, just quickly, then a couple of other things. So, the atmosphere in Japan is pretty good. Um, yeah, lots of World Cup flags and and people being very happy and smiley and getting engaged in the event, as you'd probably expect. The Japanese do love an event, um, and so they they are into it. Uh, back in New Zealand, of course, Spark Sport is uh, cops and flack because it, naturally um, the games froze for a lot of customers last night. I heard. And um, as a result, they're offering some partial refunds, and they're also showing all the games tonight live on um, Duke TV for free. So I hope I hope they I hope they keep messing up, right? <laughs> for the people back in New Zealand, that's right. I mean, so so much there. Um, you know, we were watching um, the One News uh, stream here um, at the hotel, and um, there was the CEO of Spark. Um, and she was really in a, in a really tricky situation, saying that it is actually the, the images coming through from the uh, from a provider in the US that were the problem. Um, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter where they're coming from. Um, the, the end product, if it's not um, crisp and, and clear and fresh and um, you know completely up to date, um, that that is the problem. But I think uh, you know, and there's um, you know, uh, one news obviously we're interviewing people um, from. The uh, breadth and length of New Zealand, who had tried to tune in and watch the game from small country rugby clubs to um, to the cities, um, and people were, were uh, pretty upset with Spark. I think uh, everyone needs to take a step back uh, and just have a think about who they need to be upset with, and it's certainly not Spark. Um, it, it's absolutely, definitely with the New Zealand Rugby Football Union, who have uh, sold out. Um, the game of rugby by taking it away from the people of New Zealand. Um, the rugby union won't care uh, about their pixelations on a screen or delays because they've got their money in the pocket from Spark. And uh, as has been the case for many, many years, uh, you know, they're, um, they're not interested in the business of rugby. They're interested in uh, rugby as a business. I'm not sure if I've ever used that line before, but um, you might hear it a few times here. Um, Steve, so Steve Chu's influence um, is still well and truly there. So people should be annoyed and upset at the New Zealand Rugby Football Union because uh, the Rugby World Cup, and in fact any New Zealand sport, should be free to air to all New Zealanders. And um, I just, uh, you know, I was reading an article uh, a few minutes ago that uh, the Minister of Broadcasting, Minister Bathwood, made a comment that um, this wasn't good enough and New Zealanders deserve better. Um, that really uh, gets my goat because um, the New Zealand government should have been saying to the rugby union a long time ago, uh, this is our game. Uh, you sort out sponsorship deals that involve uh, free-to-air coverage of all All Black games. Um, and if you can't do that, we're turning off the tap on our funding to New Zealand rugby. Uh, they've never done that. So, um, you know, I just think it's um, odd that uh, the minister would come out and say this now when uh, this government and previous governments have done very little. Yes, hard to disagree with that, uh, Reverend Mike. Uh, amen to that. The other thing with the Spark Sport coverage that is copped, and we knew this would happen, and I think we talked about it the other day with our trailer, and you mentioned his name earlier, Scotty Stevenson, doing the, the commentary, and um, Beaver, he's he's in the co-commentator, the expert comment seat, but um, with, with Scotty Stevenson, he really just needs to call the game, right? Um, we've, we've got the situation where he's saying things in 
having having a listen to the stream last night, he was he was full of these cliches and these other similes and metaphors and other things he's trying to bring out. And one of the ones he brought out was uh, changing gears, and it was like changing gears in a Cortina. And um, I mean, this sort of nonsense. It, it, a, it makes no sense, and it's it's just not needed. Um, so. He needs to just call the game. At one point, to his credit, he did say something along the lines of, lines of I'll just let the uh, pictures tell the story. And it's like, well, that's perfect advice, mate. You need to listen to that a little bit more. I think, I think if, you, um, if you have to work at trying to be clever, uh, then, you, then you stopped being clever a long time ago. And this is, and, you know, we see this with, um, we've seen it with um, the Sky commentators. And um, I never I never thought I'd be sorry to not have um, the pie man, Ian Smith, calling a rugby game. But I've got to say, after after having to endure um, uh, Scott Stevenson last night, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind a little bit of pie man on the sideline just to break things up. Um, you know, the thing with, again, we've talked about, you know, um, the people that are paid by rugby to call rugby and to report rugby are always going to tell us uh, what the powers that be in rugby want us to hear, which is that it's amazing, that it's awesome. And the same with Spark, you know, um, and Spark are telling us that New Zealanders want to watch the game on their phones, on their tablets, on their laptops, um, and it's all just nonsense. You know, New Zealanders want to uh, sit around the television uh, and watch it with friends and family because that's what we've always done, and that is part of our rugby culture. We want to walk past the shop in Noel Lemons and have a crowd of people standing outside watching it because um, that is what New Zealanders do. We gather with randoms that we don't know and come together and join up to watch the game we love. Um, so it's just more nonsense. And, you know, um, they're trying to do this with the FIFA Soccer World Cup. You know, they're trying to put it, uh, stream it through tablets and laptops and all this sorts of stuff. And it was a point of a percentage of all people who viewed the game that actually used the internet to watch it. Um, it's just nonsense. It's just people um, who are out to make money from the game telling us what they, what we, what, what we don't think. You know, and what we don't want is what we want. Um, and I hope, you know, I really feel for the people that have paid out um, a lot of money to get their um, to get their Chrome devices and their hook up their TVs and all that sort of stuff. So I hope for them um, that it pans out um, and that they get to watch the games uh, with their families uninterrupted. Um, but I also really hope that um, maybe somehow. Uh, New Zealand rugby is learning a lesson, um, and maybe the New Zealand government too, and that this is never, ever allowed to happen again. Yeah, I mean to that. I mean, streaming is the way of the future, and they should be able to sort it out. Like if Netflix uh, can stream to millions and millions of people around the world their feeds from their multiple programs that they have, then surely uh, a sports event can be done, you know, a single match. To be, to be fair... Um, a lot of customers weren't inconvenienced by by the reports, and for a lot of them, it worked perfectly. Uh, however, I think one of the other problems was the quality of the stream, with some people describing it as you know TV from the eighties. And so, if it's if it's advertised as high definition, then it needs to be high definition, right? Um, people have to be able to see the game without it being pixelated and, and all all of that drama. So it'll be it'll be interesting times to see how they fix that up. But I, I do agree with you. Um, you know, these sorts of things should be free to air and um, they just, I mean, they can recover it from a lot of advertising. They just charge more like like the Super Bowl does, you know. They're, they're incredibly expensive ads that they have um, and so they just play some ads during halftime and, and they can recover their money if they need to. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's 
I don't think it's hard. And the other point that I agree with that you said was, you know, sport watching, whether it's rugby or whatever it is, is, is a communal experience. And it's uh, it's about the group and how you feed off others. And so, yeah, people don't want to catch live games just on their phone. That's that's not the experience at all. That's not that's why a lot of people go to bars and, and clubs and things like that. Absolutely. I think I think rugby um you know, has built itself up. We can talk a whole lot about um, why rugby went professional um, and the right and wrong way to do that. But I think rugby needs to pull its head in a little bit. You know, um, uh, I caught some of the uh, AFL um, semi-final from uh, Melbourne last night. Um, that was Collingwood versus uh, Gold Coast, and we're talking a hundred thousand people. You know, um, just in the city of Melbourne. Game and right across the road, uh, there were 40 plus thousand watching, um, not even a, a quarter final, or it was a quarter final of, um, of the NRL, you know. And then you've got, um, what 35 40,000 people, um, watching an all Blacks game in the country overseas, you know. Um, rugby is a great game, uh, it's not loved by everyone though, and it's not a massive sport. Um, and, um, I think rugby, the powers that be need to, um, just do a bit of a reality check, you know, um, and uh, realise that they're not playing in the big leagues with some of these other sports. And so, therefore, um, we don't need to be competing in terms of dollars or um, coverage um, and things like that. All right, so amen to that, uh, Reverend Mike. So thank you for joining us on the Church of Sport Rugby World Cup edition. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, and other podcasting sites. Leave us a message too on book. I'm Pastor Stu, and on behalf of the very, very Reverend Mike, go in peace or just go hard. So you know, Pastor Stu, uh, my, uh, my uh, trademark sign-off for our shows is amen to that, Pastor Stu. But um, I think while we're in... Uh, in Japan watching rugby I think my new sign will be uh, this little saying that I've come across that I think means a lot to a lot of people I think I'm tuning Japanese I think I'm tuning Japanese I really think so uh, indeed indeed